1: Hello, lovers of the Torah, and thank you for choosing to listen to Torah Talk. I'm your host, Pastor Mark. It's great to be with you. Today, I'd like to share some insights about Acts 15 that most commentaries gloss over and even obscure due to a host of reasons. In fact, by the time I'm done, I think that you'll have a view that will change your mind forever on this topic. So stay with me. Keep in mind that this is a midrash and not to be construed as a doctrinal statement or a theological treatise on the subject. I'm simply wrestling with the passage to better inform you as well as myself. And I reserve the right to change my mind on my ideas as I grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, the Messiah. So the text, of course, is Acts chapter 15. I just want to begin a reading down through this passage. I think you'll find this interesting. Uh, Acts 15, verse 1. Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, of course, these men from Judea that have come down teaching this, they're not talking about circumcision as a, as a good work that you would do in order to somehow uh, be saved. Actually, uh, the phraseology here, uh, to be circumcised or circumcision, It's kind of a shorthand in the first century for the ritual of conversion, whereby you take a Gentile and turn them into a Jew. So really what they're talking about, if you think about it, is is this. Let me reread it and and, and just kind of uh, uh, paraphrase the text in terms of what it's actually saying. Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you become Jewish. You cannot be saved. This is what they're talking about. Unless you become Jewish, you can't can't be saved. Now, I think this is just absolutely amazing when you think about it, because really that's the context of what the council is going to meet and decide upon. This whole issue of changing your ethnic status from that of a Gentile to that of a Jew. Now, I think that that's absolutely crazy, and I think the council bears that out and, and, and really actually states that. Um, so let's go on. We'll come down through this reading, and, and you'll, you can see for yourself. Verse 2. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some of the others should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. And what is the issue again? The issue is that a Gentile has to change his ethnic status through a ritual conversion that they called circumcision um, and become Jewish. And, and then in becoming Jewish, they could be saved. So this is the issue that Paul and Barnabas are going to go to Jerusalem and appeal to the apostles and the elders so that they could get a ruling and straighten up this mess. Verse three. Therefore, being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia, Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. Verse 5. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and direct them to observe the law of Moses. Now, now, keep in mind, these are believing Jews from the sect of the Pharisees. Paul was actually from the sect of the Pharisees. Paul himself, 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus, is still claiming to be a Pharisee. You'll find that in some of his literature uh, uh, later that he writes about. He claims to be a Pharisee some 20 years after the resurrection. And so this sect of the Pharisees had a number of, 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 of Jewish people that had become believers in Jesus. They were followers of Jesus and these believing Jews, what I would call messianic Jews, Jews who who had believed in the Messiah, Jews who had saw Yeshua as the, the long awaited and promised Messiah. They stood up and they said to Paul, Paul, Basically, what they're saying is this to Paul and Barnabas, it's necessary that you turn these Gentiles into Jews and direct them to observe the law of Moses in order to be saved. In other words, they're saying that these Gentiles are not actually saved yet. They need to become Jewish first. If they're not Jewish, they cannot be saved. That's exactly what it says in verse number one. That's the context of this passage. Verse number five cannot be understood outside of the context of verse number one. Verse number one is the setting or the first initial statement that actually provides us the literary setting, the theological setting of this great debate. And they're positing this idea that the Gentiles must first become Jewish in order to be saved, and then they can do the Torah. That's so important to understand. Most commentaries do not flesh that out. Most scholars do not spend a lot of time with that. They just jump into the middle of this. They like to zoom right to the end and try to get down to the four prohibitions and make that the end rather than the beginning of the journey for the Gentiles. So I hope just building that frame of reference for you is going to be meaningful as we work down through this passage. Verse six, this is concerning Peter. Peter is the first apostle to be sent to the Gentiles. And so Peter stands up. Peter's going to speak to these believing Pharisees. And and keep in mind, Peter's a Jew also. But being sent to the Gentiles, he had his eyes opened up. God helped him and had to help him uh, understand this big issue in order for, for him to even go to the Gentiles. And this is dealing, of course, with Cornelius and the revelation that God gave him, that Cornelius was not uh, unclean or profane, uh, that actually uh, Cornelius was made in the image of God and that God had promised to save not only the descendants of Jacob, the Jewish people, but also the nations. So Peter stands up, verse six, the apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, brethren, You know that in the early days, God made a choice among you, that by the mouth of the Gentiles would hear, by my mouth, the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit just as he also did to us. In other words, God gave the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles in exactly the same way that he did for the Jews. Verse 9, and he made no distinction between us and them. That's so important. Underline that. He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. He made no distinction. You know, people today are just always trying to make that big distinction between Messianic Jews and Messianic Gentiles. And let's not blur the lines. Let's make sure we keep everything nice and tidy, nice and and distinct, you know, separate and equal, separate but equal. And I'm thinking now, I think there's something else revealed here in this passage that's very important for us to understand about this new unity that God is bringing together between Jews and Gentiles through faith in his son. So he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith, verse verse 10. Now, therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to? To bear. In in other words, by taking this Pharisaical ritual of conversion and putting on the Gentiles a yoke, a yoke. Think of this by putting on the Gentiles a yoke of many, many, many fences, man made traditions called the Oral Torah upon them that you yourselves cannot do and your fathers who were more righteous than you could not do you put god to the test and that's never a good idea you know to put god to the test why would you why would you try to put a burden on the gentiles that you yourselves will not carry that that is just ludicrous when you think about it he goes on to say in verse 11 we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. In other words, God saved the Gentiles by grace through faith in Yeshua, just like he saved us as Jews. He's saving Jews as Jews and Gentiles as as Gentiles. He's not saving people based on ethnic identities. He's not saving people based on ethnic status. He's saving people based on faith in his son. It's it's all about grace through faith in his son. What matters is in regard to being saved, is covenant standing. That's what matters. Not ethnic standing. Covenant standing. Salvation is Covenant-centric throughout the Bible, not ethnocentric. And this was the correction that needed to be made in order for the Gentiles to be able to come in and for the church to flourish. So our next speaker here is going to be James the Just. We move from Peter to James the Just. This is the half-brother of Yeshua presiding, it looks like, as the leader of the entire apostolic Um, council in Jerusalem uh, with the elders of Jerusalem. So very important. Verse 12, all the people kept silent. They were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they had stopped speaking, James answered saying, brethren, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles, a people for his name with this, the words of the prophets agree just as it is written. And then he appeals to the writings of the prophets that are in the Tanakh. He appeals to, to, I think the promise, uh, uh prophet Amos, and then one other, uh, prophet, but he goes on and he quotes, uh, in verse 16, after these things, I will return. I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins. I will restore it so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. In other words, the idea is the idea that Gentiles, as Gentiles would come into a rebuilt tabernacle of David, a restored uh, 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 tabernacle, if you will. This is just like something that is going way back into the Tanakh from long ago. In fact, it goes all the way back to Abraham, because God promised not only that he would bless and save the descendants of Jacob, but he would also save the nations. That the blessing would not only be on the descendants of Jacob, but to all the nations, through Jacob, out to all the nations. But how would that happen? Well, it doesn't state it. And so Jews by the first century came up with this ritual of changing a Gentile into a Jew. So that they too could be saved. They thought they would bring about what was promised by God to Abraham. They thought they'd bring that somehow to pass through a ritual of cutting off the flesh. Uh, Again, I want to tell you, it's always been by faith, Uh, whether you're Jewish or a Gentile. We are saved by faith. Even Abraham was told or even Abraham was justified because he believed in the promised seed to come. It was by faith that Abraham was justified before God. And he is the father of both Jews and Gentiles. And so so really the Jewish people by the first century had gotten that wrong. And they were trying to make a ritual conversion, uh, the solution for saving a Gentile rather than faith in the promised seed. So in the end, God's saying, nope, I'm going to bless and save the Gentiles in the same way that I will save the Jewish people by faith in Messiah. So here's the ruling that is given by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. And uh, this is actually uh, uh, being um, uh, stated or proclaimed by James himself. Verse 19, therefore, it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles. In other words, he's saying, when, when you try to, to turn a Jew, a Gentile, into a Jew through a ritual uh, called circumcision, that's very troubling. That, that's, you know, try, trying to turn someone into someone they're not is just like not right. You know, there's something there's something wrong with that. They are who they are, and they too are made in the image of God. And uh, we gotta, we got to kind of stop this, this nonsense of trying to say to the Jew, hey, you can't be Jewish anymore if you believe in Jesus. Or, hey, Gentile, you can't be Gentile anymore if you want to be part of the Messianic movement. I mean, this is just ludicrous when you think about it. Verse 19. Therefore, it is my judgment. We do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles, trouble them by making them go through some type of like, you know, change to where they become more and more Jewish till ultimately, because they're Jewish, they're now, they're now in verse 20, but that we write to them that they abstain from things contaminated by idols and from fornication and from what is strangled and from blood. So here's the big shift. In order to be saved, it's faith and faith alone in Messiah. And then to the Gentiles, if you want to come in now and fellowship with believing Jews, then you got to at least abstain from these four things. In other words, this is the, the starting point in terms of fellowship within the Messianic community. Four things must be forsaken. And these four things are pagan ways. You got to forsake your attraction, your preoccupation with unholy gods. Number two, unholy worship. Unholy worship. Number three, unholy foods. And number four, and finally, unholy sex. Now, those were the four things that the Gentile had to give up if that believing Gentile wanted to to come into and experience fellowship with Messianic Israel, Messianic Jews. This was the starting place. Now, most scholars, I think, obscure this. Most scholars kind of gloss over this. They think... These four prohibitions are the end of the road for Gentile transformation and sanctification. They think this is all they have to do, and then that's it forevermore until Jesus comes, right? Wrong. They are not the end. These four prohibitions are not the end of the journey, but simply the entrance, the entrance level requirements for fellowship, not for being saved, but for fellowship in the community of believing Israel. How do we know this? Because one of the most neglected verses in the New Testament follows. Verse 21. And this is so, this is so amazing when you consider it. For Moses, from ancient generations, has in every city those who preach him, since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. So, there was this big question, of course. Well, what about all the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of how we who are called by God's name should live? Are the Gentiles exempt from the call to holiness? Are they exempt from a holy life, which is commensurate to the call of the living God on their life? Of course not. Of course not. The four prohibitions are simply the starting place. All of, all of the rest of the beauty of God's ways, they're preached every week. Verse 21, Moses from ancient generations has in every city those who preach him, since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. In other words, they're going to get the rest. Just leave them alone. You know, leave them alone. They'll come wagging their tails behind them. They'll, they'll come home wagging their tails behind them. So, so think of it this way. The Gentiles are saved by grace through faith in the Messiah. They have the Holy Spirit in them. They need simply to forsake these four pagan, core pagan ways. And then in doing so, they can come into the Messianic uh, communities. And it's in in the synagogue every week on Shabbat that they're going to hear Moses being preached. And the Holy Spirit will illumine their hearts, will illuminate their minds, and empower them to begin to apply and live out the Torah together with all of the Messianic Jewish community. That's a powerful thing when you consider it. Verse 21 is the key to understanding what this uh, council had just done. They had opened the door to the Gentiles as Gentiles to come into Messianic communities and begin to fellowship. All the Messianic Gentiles had to do is give up those four core pagan practices. Then they could come in. And after they came in, they would learn the Torah. They'd learn the rest of this beautiful way of life. They'd begin that journey being helped by their Messianic Jewish brothers and sisters. And together they would grow into this beautiful, beautiful uh, testimony of who Jesus is and how in and through him, he's reconciling all things together. Jew and Gentile, one new humanity. It's a powerful and beautiful uh, uh, ruling that the council made. Verse 22. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, and Judas called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. And they sent this letter by them. And to who? To the Gentiles who believe. So let me just summarize this and make some application. Number one, Gentiles do not need to become Jews in order to be saved and do the Torah. And I just want to speak to my Messianic Jewish brothers and sisters and, and, uh, these larger Messianic Jewish organizations like the MJAA and, and, uh, UMJC and others. I I just want to say, Hey, uh, we' do, you don't need to turn the Gentiles into Jews you don't need to come up with conversion policies or other rituals or other things which you know the Gentiles have to somehow come through in order to connect with uh, believing Israel or in order to do the Torah you no know, the, the Gentiles as Gentiles are already saved in Messiah and uh, they're learning how to do the Torah Anyway, that's a work of the Holy Spirit in them. So embrace them, help them, lead them. Like the Messianic Jews, they simply need to believe in Jesus in order to be saved and then do the Torah. So, in order to fellowship with Messianic Jews, Messianic Gentiles need only to forsake four core pagan ways. Paying homage to false gods, playing with false worship forms, eating unholy foods, and sexual immorality. Those are the four things. And I want to say to my, to my Gentile uh, believing friends in order to come into a messianic community, it's important that you understand these things. Pagan forms of worship are just unacceptable, they're, they're very offensive. Uh, uh to the true worship of God God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth and uh you know we we've we've got to just address that and also unholy foods there there's a lot of things that that you're eating that God says are an abomination he's saying those things should not be eaten in fact he says they're not even actually edible what are you doing? what are you thinking right you can't you can't just bring, Uh, you know, your, your, your bacon cheeseburger to the own egg, to the, to the potluck. That's not going to work. If you want to fellowship with Messianic Jewish believers, that's not going to work. You got to give up those foods that God himself says are abhorrent to eat. And then also sexual immorality. That's a big issue. You've got to address that in your life. And then you have the opportunity to come into Messianic Israel, to Messianic communities, and begin to fellowship and connect with the very people group that you've been grafted into. That again is the starting place in order to come in and have fellowship with Messianic Jewish believers, with Messianic Gentile believers as well. That's the starting place. You don't have to do those four things to be saved. Now being saved is a matter of faith in Yeshua, the Messiah. These are matters of sanctification and it's a starting place in terms of fellowship within a messianic community. So, so that's, you know, I just, I, you know, I just wanted to to state that and let me restate this because I, I think this is very important. Messianic Gentiles, they get to grow into the Torah. They get a, they get a, in a sense, you know, grow into Torah observance without having to convert and become Jews. They get to do that as Gentiles. Verse 21 made that very clear. Verse 21 is a part of the background of understanding the letter that was sent to the Gentiles. You can't just ignore verse 21 or gloss over it. You have to address it. And it's very clear that the Gentiles, who would come every week on Shabbat into the synagogues, would hear the Torah being preached. And because of the Holy Spirit in them, their minds would be opened up, and their hearts would be softened. And through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, they too would be able to embrace and begin to walk it out by faith. The harvest, let me say this, the harvest. We're one of a number of growing communities. And and, and I want to say this, and I want to be very clear when I say this. These communities are not Messianic Jewish congregations, nor are they Messianic Gentile congregations. We are a growing number of Messianic congregations where Messianic Jews and Messianic Gentiles can join together as a community that worships together the one true living God through his son, the Messiah, and then live within the same context and matrix called the Torah. This is who we are. A Messianic congregation of Jews and Gentiles in Messiah living out this beautiful way of life empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you to think about that. I hope that you'll never read Acts chapter 15 the same ever again. And if you're a a Gentile believer in Messiah, I want to encourage you to find a Messianic congregation where you can begin to attend and learn and hear the beauty and wonder of Torah and to have the Holy Spirit in you to light you up in terms of your understanding so that you can begin to embrace these ancient ways. Like God said in Jeremiah, in them there is blessing for you and your family. Blessing. So I want to encourage you to pursue that and discover that for you and your family. Well, that concludes our program for this week, and a special thanks to our great King, Yeshua the Messiah. And to you, our listeners and supporters, for making this podcast possible through your prayers and financial giving, thank you. Know that in your prayers and giving, you are partnering with us as we advance the kingdom of Messiah in Israel, the United States, and throughout the world. We are a highly rated and listened to Messianic podcast on iTunes under the category of Judaism. Subscribe now. Pray with us. Give financially. Share the vision and power of this podcast with everyone you know. Baruch Hashem. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm your host, Pastor Mark, and until our next show, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Prince of Peace, Yeshua the Messiah. Shalom.
0: Torah Talk has been brought to you by The Harvest, a Messianic Charismatic congregation located at 8891 Hose Boulevard in Thornton, Colorado. Your host has been Pastor Mark McClellan. Join us for Sabbath services at 1 p.m. next Saturday afternoon. For more information, please call us at 303 761 9948. Or visit our website at www.graftedin.com. God bless you and Shalom.